Such a shame that our military, once the greatest in the world, is now woke and weird. And is it the greatest in the world anymore? That's unknowable at this point, and I'd rather not put it to the test. We're in trouble, folks. Woke and weird, possibly weak. Look, this latest development, which has been around for a few months now, they snuck it in. You know about ejection seats? Uh, fighter jets, some bomber jets have ejection seats. They're, they're necessary. You can get the pilot out of an emergency. It's a very violent sequence of events. They put a rocket basically under a chair. And again, it can save the pilot's life or it can sometimes kill a pilot. Listen to this. As the seat accelerates upwards, gravity pulls the pilot downwards, compressing the spine. The speed at which the propulsive force is applied is critical. Apply the force too quickly, and the spine won't have time to absorb it, resulting in injury. Meaning ruptured discs and fractured vertebrae, which can uh, obviously be very painful for the pilot. And if the fractures are severe enough, you can get severed spine, which could lead to paralysis. Paralysis, death, serious injury, head injury. I speak from experience. This can be quite violent. I had a punch out of a Harrier once in the late 1990s. Uh, but a seat can save your life. It is like sitting on a rocket ship, all right? That pack back there, all kinds of uh, very controlled explosives, and you come out like a bullet. You know, we have women pilots, and I think that's great, actually. I've served with uh, women, and they're kind of like the guys. Some are great, some are okay, some not so hot. But did you know that they're allowing pregnant women to fly in aircraft with ejection seats? Pregnant women. This is a new policy. It's a few months old. And it seems, in my opinion, absolutely insane. These pilots are now expecting mom is among the first pregnant pilots to fly an ejection seat plane in the Air Force. So you have flown supersonic pregnant. Is that right? Yes. Looked over and I saw Mark in the other aircraft and knew that flying with my husband in the other aircraft and carrying hopefully the next generation bomber pilot while flying supersonic was, it was quite the memory. Until last year, the Air Force made it nearly impossible for pregnant women to keep flying. For good reason. It is dangerous for the unborn child. I don't fault those very nice pilots in the piece, all right? Uh, they're not setting the policy. They're following the policy. They're granted a waiver. They're taking it. But the idea that the United States military is allowing this, unborn children. I know amusement parks where they won't let women go in the roller coaster. But our military is, and this is all of a sudden, basically overnight. Our military, after all, is woke and weird and a large part of the transformation is thanks to that guy general brown uh, air force chief of staff from what i understand he was a great fighter pilot really could fly the f-16 very well but when it comes to actually uh, leading the military as a general this is not the guy here's what i'm thinking about i'm thinking about how full i am with emotion not just for george floyd but the many African-Americans that have suffered the same fate as George Floyd. I'm thinking about protests in my country, tis in the sweet land of liberty, the equality expressed in our Declaration of Independence and the Constitution that I've sworn my adult life to support and defend. 
and thinking about a history of, of racial issues in my own experiences that didn't always sing of liberty and equality. Yeah, this uh, four-star general in the middle of a presidential campaign made a video for all the troops to see about the nervous breakdown he seemed to be having over the death of George Floyd. Next. I'm thinking about my sister and I being the only African-Americans in our entire elementary school and trying to fit in. I'm thinking about then going to a high school where roughly half the students were African-American and trying to fit in. Everybody's trying to fit in in high school. And what's the problem? He didn't like it when they were mostly white. Then he doesn't like it when it's half white, half black. There's no satisfying this guy. Next. I'm thinking about my mentors and how I, rarely I had a mentor that looked like me. All right, mentors. Uh, you know, you're lucky in life if you get one or two good mentors. I don't think it should matter what they look like. So he has a big hand in setting policy, the policies that allow women who are pregnant to fly in ejection seat aircraft. That's kind of insane. I think everybody understands that. This individual, General Brown, currently the chief of staff of the Air Force, will soon be, if everything goes according to plan, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Yeah, he's going to replace woke Mark Milley. I did not think we could get worse than uh, Mutiny Mark. Maybe I was wrong. However, maybe Tommy Tuberville can do something about this. You know, the Republican from Alabama, the U.S. senator, has put a hold on various Pentagon promotions. And I think it's great. You know, he has a problem, as I do, that the Pentagon under Joe Biden wants to get into the abortion business. You know about this, right? Flying uh, soldiers all over the country, paying for their transportation, paying for their lodging so they can get abortions in the state of their choosing. That is wrong. That has, they have no business doing that whatsoever. So Tommy Tuberville said, you know what? These promotions that you want that need Senate confirmation, Senate approval, we're not going to approve anymore. Uh, these individuals are leading the Navy, Army and Marine Corps. They've already retired. So who's in their place? Well, everybody from the fake news to the Secretary of Defense wants us to think nobody. As you know, more than 300 nominations for our outstanding general and flag officers are now being held up in the United States Senate. For the first time in the history of the Department of Defense, three of our military services are operating without Senate-confirmed leaders. This is unprecedented, it is unnecessary, and it is unsafe. Uh, it's not unsafe. And the only thing that's really unprecedented about this is that liberal media are actually pretending they care about who's running the Army, the Navy and the Marine Corps. It is completely irresponsible. It compromises national security. It compromises global security. And it creates all this chaos. This is infecting the readiness of three of, of our four main branches of government. This is legislative terrorism, okay? This guy, Tuberville, one senator, is endangering the national security of our country and our allies for ideological reasons. He is putting people in positions where they can die. <laughs> Go, Tommy, and don't believe the hype. 
They are wrong. They're trying to scare people, and they don't care. They really don't. They just care about abortion. They don't care about the military. So these vacancies I hear about, yeah, these guys are no longer there. And they want us to believe that, oh, my goodness gracious, there's nobody leading the Navy, Army, and Marine Corps. Yes, there are. These guys had deputies who came in the very next day. They're all the same rank. It's not a big deal at all. Okay, remember that this is an inside the beltway Washington game and they're trying to fool the rest of the country. Don't fall for it. And Senator Tuberville, I really think you should look into this General Brown. He's not ready. And that policy about pregnant women being allowed to fly ejection seat aircraft. Please take a look into it next. Name me a single objective we've ever set out to accomplish that we've failed on. Name me one in all of our history. Not one. Can you believe it? Today he said that. Here's one. Ridding Afghanistan of terrorists. We lost in Afghanistan. And it was so unnecessary. Who's in charge there right now? The Taliban. Two years ago this month, these creatures took over. And where does that leave us? Where does that leave the people of Afghanistan? Did you know this was happening there? Poverty is so extreme. More than half of Afghanistan's people are starving. And the Afghan people surviving by selling their children and organs. That's on Joe Biden. And he had the nerve to say what he said today. That's amazing. Did you see that movie? What was it called again? The Sound of Freedom? Selling Children? Afghanistan? Is that why we left in such a hurry? I'll be right back. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. The apocalypse in Hawaii. Wow. Huh? What happened here? What happened? This is amazing and strange and weird. And, well, the death toll is climbing. And President Biden had to be bullied into saying something about it. Why was he so reserved? Was it just his general incompetence and he's tone deaf? Or was there something he knew about this that he didn't want to mm, say anything about? I don't know. But he finally said something. He apologized to the crowd for wasting their time, actually, first. I apologize because I try very hard to keep my speeches between 15 and 18 minutes. But I got to talk a little bit about Hawaii. Yeah, sorry about this. I, we, we all want to get out of here, but fifth, I'm going to talk about Hawaii now at the end of the speech. Sorry, you got to put up with it. Maybe talk about it at the top. Maybe talk about it, I don't know, seven days ago. Next. The Army helicopters uh, help fire suppression and efforts on the Big Island because there's still some burning on the Big Island, not the one, that, not the one where you see on television all the time. Uh, the people on the island that we see on television all the time. That's called Maui. And the Big Island is called Hawaii. This man is finished. He can't do the basics of the job. It gets worse. But then, when I signed the bipartisan infrastructure again, which which Ron Johnson and his friends didn't vote, they all voted against. 
I don't know, but it was somehow a dig at Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin. But this is a man who understands people's pain, right? Because of that thing that happened to him all those years ago. You see the president, if you if you know this president, you know how much he cares about people. You know uh, how much he cares about folks who have lost so much. And sadly, this president has had to deal with many uh, disasters uh, in the past right. two years. And he has shown up and he has been there. You know, whatever empathy he had, he's did not bring to the White House. This is the lasting image that we have of of Joe Biden. This is how he seems to approach everything. You see the president, if you if you know this president, you know how much he cares about people. You know uh, how much he cares about folks who have lost so much. And sadly, this president has had to deal with many uh, disasters uh, in the past right. two years. And he has shown up and he has been there. No, he doesn't. That's the thing. He picks and chooses what's politically advantageous. Wasn't politically advantageous to see those poor people in East Palestine, Ohio, was it, Joe? He's going to get around to that. Uh, let's see. Never. Never? How does never sound? Never. No chance. Joe Biden has no chance. They have a huge problem on their hands. They realize this guy we can't withstand the rigors of a presidential campaign, even if he's safely ensconced in the White House basement. It's not going to happen. I mean, look at the guy they're up against, Trump. I mean, he's ready for anything. He is ready for anything. Throw indictments at his way. He doesn't even miss a beat. So they realize it can't be Joe. No chance. They also realize this. The Democrats, the powerful ones, the donors, the movers, the shakers, the, I don't know, the globalists, whoever's really running the show over there, Obama, it can't be Kamala. I mean, there are some things that just can't be fixed. It's not Kamala. So the next person they talk about a lot, Gavin Newsom. After all, he's slim and he's got great hair. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Not much going on upstairs. And he also has a major liability. It's known as California. All right. There's <laughs> this is not a record to run on California. So who's it going to be? Who are they going to replace Joe Biden with as the Democrat nominee? Here's my answer. It is what it is. Yep, it's Michelle. When I said Obama earlier, I meant Barack, her husband. She's going to be the nominee. Now, I didn't actually come up with this theory. A guy named Joel Gilbert wrote a movie and a book about this very scenario. Michelle Obama, 2024. And he makes an awfully compelling case. Take a look. They could run Michelle Obama. And if they do... Welcome, Michelle Obama! Michelle Obama is the most popular woman in America. You know I hate politics. You can forget about the disclaimer. I'm convinced that Michelle Obama is running for president in 2024. Systemic racism, pepper spray, and rubber bullets on peaceful protesters. She's following the exact same formula that Barack did to become president. All right. Some of the things he goes through and he's hearing every day that they're getting very serious about Michelle running the parallels between her life and Barack Obama's life. They've done this together. They've done the same things. Take a look. Uh, let's see. Number one, both hosted or delivered the keynote address at uh, the convention four years prior to their election. 2004 to 2008 for Obama, 2020 to 2024 
For Michelle Obama, what else? They both formed kind of phony baloney, get out the vote organizations, right? That's a, that's a very Democrat activist thing to do. And they're both narcissists. They love writing books about themselves. Uh, Obama wrote about seven more than we could fit on the page. Barack, that is. And they just love celebrity. They love the game. Uh, they've been anointed by the powers that be. The media, of course, gosh, I mean, <laughs> this would be literally a dream come true for them. Becoming, Netflix's documentary film about Michelle Obama's book tour, outperformed all expectations, making it into the top 10 most watched films on the streaming platform. Michelle Obama's new Netflix documentary came out a few hours ago. The documentary was released at 3.01 this morning. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. Yeah, you see, they hiked and gave a wet kiss to the worst documentary ever made. I am fascinated by this movie because you should watch it. It is so bad. And to think that she got $30 million to make this mess. This is an actual scene from the movie. Didn't make edits or anything like that. Didn't play any games. This is what they think is interesting content. Oh, I thought you were wearing the pink, John. No, that was for That's earlier. Like, and then that had food on it. <laughs> that was for the this, day. That looks like two belts. It's one belt, but it's three separate. Oh, it's got a top belt, too. Oh, I see. I see. But it's not separated? No, it's one belt, but you've got it three different times. And is that the style right. to have your belt so high now? Is that the style? I don't know. We People, don't, I don't, so I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I just ask. It's true. They spend five minutes talking about Michelle Obama's belt. Now, granted, it does look a lot like Darth Vader's belt in Star Wars, but that's it. I mean, she's not an interesting person, but the rules don't apply to the Obamas, as we've seen. And as I've heard from the Obama family, uh, the man on the right, that's Malik Obama, Barack Obama's half-brother in the White House. Did you know Malik is actually endorsing Donald Trump in 2024? Yeah, it's official. The elder Obama is supporting Trump in 2024, just like he did in 2016. He's got quite a story. Uh, they share the same father, Barack Obama Sr. And a long time ago, in the early 80s, they were, uh, they were pretty close. Barack based his political career on the Obama family in Kenya. He made a big deal. Very big deal. Very big deal. My father was a foreign student, born and raised in a small village in Kenya. He grew up herding goats. My father grew up herding goats in Kenya. The way that he's turned and become a different person with a family is the same way that I see him behaving politically. He says one thing and then he does another. He says he's not an honest man. And after Barack Obama got to the White House, he had less and less use for his half-brother, Malik. He created the kind of myth of Barack Obama. But after that, Malik was pretty much on his own. No support for the Kenyan village that Barack Obama talked about so much. It's interesting, when he was developing his political narrative, Barack Obama was, yeah, happy to see Malik. Take a look at this picture, though. I wonder, I don't know much about this culture, but it suggests to me that maybe Barack Obama was actually telling the truth when he told George Stephanopoulos, initially at least in this conversation, that he's Muslim. What I was suggesting, you're you absolutely right that John McCain has not uh, 
talked about my Muslim faith, and you're absolutely right that that has not Christian come. Faith. My, my Christian faith. And, well, what I'm saying is that he hasn't suggested that I'm, right. that I'm uh, a Muslim. That's very strange what just happened there. And by the way, I would have no problem with somebody. I have no problem with anybody who's Muslim. You know, they could be president of the United States. What this suggests, though, is he's not being honest about his faith for some reason. It's interesting. I wonder what Malik Obama would have to say about that. We should follow up with him. We'll be right back. It's true. I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show for the news you need to know. So America has no real effective border, does it? Uh, It's chaotic down there. And now it's chaotic throughout the country. Uh, Major cities, small cities here in New York City. It's unbelievable what's happening. The city has been kind of on the edge for a while, but we haven't seen this in decades. About 100,000 people here so far, here illegally, and it's driving us crazy. Uh, What are we going to do about it? Uh, Well, we need a new mayor desperately. Listen to the guy we have right now. Talk about a narcissist. I'm Gandhi-like. I think like Gandhi. I act like Gandhi. I want to be like Gandhi. All right. See what I mean? (laughs) Our next guest is Joseph Germanata. He is a New Yorker. Uh, He is a successful restaurateur. He's very concerned about this situation. He's become a community leader. And oh, by the way, he happens to be the father of one of the most famous pop stars in the universe, Lady Gaga. Joseph Germanata, uh, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Oh, very good. Hi, Greg. How you doing? Terrific. Thanks for being here. We have Gandhi as mayor. How about that one? <laughs> Sir, give us a sense of how your neighborhood and life has changed uh, recently. Well, the Upper West Side has always been a pretty, um, pretty calm neighborhood. It's very family oriented. And, you know, it's, it's a true neighborhood where, you know, uh, People people walk down the street, you know, you run into neighbors, you, 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 you chat, you, you know, we know the store owners, the store owners come out, they say hello, et cetera. It's just, it's, it's a very, very quiet, you know, pleasant experience to be on the Upper West Side. However, now, what's yeah. happened is 500 new people have dropped in overnight and there's truly no code of conduct. And so what's happening is, is that we're seeing, you know, tra- new trash everywhere, empty bottles of beer, um, hypodermic needles. There, you know, there's some drug dealing going on. We see hookers on the corner now. I mean, it, it's just it's changed overnight within the past three weeks. It's just gone to hell. And, you know, New Yorkers are generous people and, you know, we love everybody. But, you know, <laughs> let's be real here. Mayor uh, Adams talks like this is somehow our responsibility. This right. is a city that's kind of, you know, it's tough to stay afloat here. And he's putting this on the people. I find that very kind of um, uh, it just seems so unfair. It seems narcissistic to me. <laughs> but the. Uh... I, I don't really I don't get it. I don't get what he's doing. They're really not prepared. They weren't prepared for this. And they've got an agency running it. They, they, they've done about 120 sites at this point, and they still haven't gotten it right. 
You know, there's insufficient security. All they have is on-site security. There's really no NYPD presence. Uh, but recently we met with a group called uh, from NYPD called Community Link. And they seem to be on the ball. And they've assigned an ambassador to our neighborhood. And so that when there is an issue, okay, we have someone to call other than 911. And, you know, they've taken true responsibility for getting us back to normal. So this is more than a local problem. This is a national problem. Uh, the Secretary of Homeland Security says there is no problem. Take a look at this, please. Our approach to managing the borders securely and humanely, even within our fundamentally broken immigration system, is working. It's working. It's working. And you compound that with uh, uh, Eric Adams's attitude that this is a sanctuary city. Remember that? He was yeah. inviting these people here. So you're got, you've gotten some relief from the NYPD. How do you see this unfolding? What's, what's next? Well, we're, we're going to give it some time, all right? I mean, it's been chaos. I mean, partying in the streets at 10, you know, at, at 10 o'clock at night until 4 in the morning, motor scooters everywhere. Uh, they race up and down the street. There's been some motocross activity racing up and down Broadway. Um, it's, you know, it's quite scary, be frank. All right. People are not as comfortable walking their dogs in the neighborhood. I mean, just last night, um, one of the migrants um, beat up on his wife right out on the street. And one of my neighbors called 911. The police came and it was um, they let him go. So now we know that we have a, you know, a, a, you know, a hostile person living in the Stratford Arms, right? And so, you know, we all have to be more careful, and we all have to look out for each other. Well, this is insane. Uh, and by the way, these people came here illegally. There is a way to come here legally. They did not do it. You raised your daughters here in New York City. Yeah, thirty-five years we were in this neighborhood. Could you conceive bringing up? two young children in your neighborhood starting now? As no, not, not at all. I mean, I see what's happening. You know, there's 13 and 14-year-old girls that are walking down the street and they're getting catcalled, all right? Um, it's, it's just, it's abusive. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let my daughters grow up here, all right? There's five schools within four blocks, five elementary schools, right? I don't understand what they were thinking about putting a facility like this here. I'd like to uh, show, I think this is a big money grab and an opportunity, perhaps, for oh, yeah. Mayor Adams. I'd like to play uh, D06, please. Stand by. If we don't get the support we need, New Yorkers could be left for a $12 billion bill. So, while New York City will continue to lead, it's time the state and federal government step up. $12 billion. Look, uh, for 100,000 people, that's kind of insane. At the same time, you know, a lot of us think the globalists want the cheap labor and the Democrats want the votes. Not to suck you into a larger political uh, situation, but do you have any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, you know, we, we, we filed a FOIA to see, you know, what exactly happened at the Stratford Arms. It was a dormitory of, of college students, uh, but the American Music and Dance Academy. And, I mean, they were moved out overnight. We recently got a copy of the contract and we see that the school was paid $1.8 million to get the facility ready for the migrants. 
All right, there's 400 rooms in the building. Now they're receiving, I think, $600 a night, all right, because every day three meals are brought in. There's a laundry service truck that comes in three times a week. Uh, there's medical care on site. There's 24-hour <clears throat> private security in the building. Um, I understand why the city's going to bleed. If we keep doing this, it's, it's just it's not, it's not sustainable. Well, in the meantime, your neighborhood is distressed and Eric Adams is having the time of his life. Uh, the guy is just uh, he, he's still pinching himself. Can't believe he's the mayor showing up at this block party, that nightclub. Uh, I find it offensive. He seems to be taking the job so, so lightly. But um, I don't know, sir. Um, let's face it. Your Lady Gaga's uh, dad. I, I, I bet that comes with some advantages and maybe a few disadvantages. I don't know. It must be great. Is it easier to get the word out? What's it like being Lady Gaga's dad? Actually, it's 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 quite easy to get the word out because when I have something to say, they they you know they typically you know catch me. Right? Sometimes they catch me in a good moment, and sometimes they catch me in a bad moment. But um, in this particular case, the media has really helped out. Our councilwoman here has been, Gail Brewer, she's been extremely helpful. But the media, all the media we've been doing, I mean, that brought the attention of the community, um, the community link officers that, you know, they came in, they had nine people came to visit me and, and one of my partners here in the building, in my residence. And, you know, they were very, very understanding. They listened and we've got emails immediately back from the um, uh, from the, the sergeant that they put in charge of our area. But um, they are appalled. They really didn't know what was going on, all right? Because, you know, when you call 911, you know, NYPD will respond, all right? But, it, you know, a lot of times they won't do anything. Mm. You know, they're told to, you know, observe and ignore, all right? And that's a lot of times what they do. Well, Joseph Germanata, it's real credit to you that you're uh, you're getting involved and you're you're putting your face out there and, and calling attention to this. And it's a credit to your daughter, too. I ran into her once or twice. She's really the real deal. Uh, we yeah. love her. Thank you very much, sir. Good luck and keep us posted. We will. All right. Thank you, Greg, you, for having us on. You bet. And we'll be right back. You're looking at. Perry Johnson, the successful businessman who is running for president. He's running for the Republican nomination. His commercials, ubiquitous. And he has been as well in Iowa at the fair uh, this weekend. And he's doing everything that presidential candidates do, meeting the people. Listen to this. We defeated the most powerful army in the history of the world because we had that fire inside us. It has been that fire inside of us that has made us the most amazing country the world has ever known. Damn. Perry Johnson, you got the fire in the belly. Welcome back to Newsmax. Uh, good to see you, sir. Delighted to be here. So, all right, real quick. You voted for Trump in 16 and 20. Why not this time? Well, everybody knows that I did like Trump, but he did spend too much money. And we are now $33 trillion in debt. It puts our entire country at risk. They're now talking about reducing Social Security by seventeen to $23,000 per family. Why? Because the government spends so much of everybody else's money. 
And then we have to realize that we're now spending $610 per month per family in interest on that debt. It is catastrophic. When you take a look at inflation, it's caused because the government spent so much money. You then take a look at medical care, it's gone stratospheric. In fact, it's gone up five times the rate of inflation. Tuition has gone up five times the rate of inflation. Why? Because the government has gotten involved. What we need to do is have the government less involved in our lives. I recommended we got rid of the Department of Education, keep the government out of the education process, just ship the money to the states and let them disperse the money. And we have to have the government out of our lives in so many ways. We have a corrupt FBI, we have a corrupt Department of Justice, and let's face it, we have to do something to save America. That's why we're gonna freeze the budget, cut two cents of every dollar of discretionary spending, and start to balance the budget. Okay. And that way, it's the way the government does business. That sounds great. Uh, but first, people have to figure out who you are. And you got a bit of a challenge. I mean, you're getting out there. Uh, but on your website, you know, even it says Perry who? You know, that's how you introduce you. Who are you? I know you were in business. You were very active in the automotive industry and setting standards. But if you could, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. In a nutshell, I'm a guy that started out with nothing. Uh, I went to school, studied mathematics, and started using that originally, I guess, trying to play blackjack. But uh, they kicked me out of Vegas, and I got a job in the auto industry with Borg Warner at a time when they were struggling, and I thought I knew how to solve the problem, so I started my first company. I introduced statistical methods in the auto industry, and in about four or five years, we had the best quality in the world, and we were able to reduce costs by 25 to 30%. And I said, why not a standard for quality? And I wrote a book on ISO 9000, the quality standard. And now Perry Johnson Registrars and Perry Johnson Laboratory Accreditation to business in 61 countries around the world. I own 80 companies. None of my companies have ever gone bankrupt. None of my companies have any debt. And I spent my whole life bringing quality and efficiency to maybe 50 to 100,000 companies. And now I want to bring it to the federal government. Are you self-funding? I am. Where did and you go to college? A couple I, of quick biographical questions. Where did you go to college? You mentioned school. University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. And were you counting cards in Las Vegas? You were that good in math that you could, was that what you said? Uh, yes, I was. I was until they kicked me out. In fact, it's so funny because my wife would get mad at me and said, how can you do that? They're kicking you out. I like this place. <laughs> Wow. All right. Where, what is your position? How would you define yourself, say, on uh, abortion? Well, I am pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, anti-woke, anti-China. I have to admit I am an extreme conservative in just about every possible way. In fact, I may be the conservative's conservative, but I love this country with my heart and soul. And I'm really running on the economy because that's something I could do something about. And I know how to do it. I've been doing this kind of thing my whole life. Well... Uh, very impressive. Uh, the problem, not a problem, but a challenge, since you're self-funding, you're not going to be able to get 40,000 donors. You don't need them. That's good. But you can't get on the debate stage, or can you? Is there a way you can get on the debate stage and I take now have, Are you kidding me? I think I have 54,000 donors now. Forgive me, sir. I asked you if you were, I, I asked if you were um, self-funding, and I thought maybe that meant you were, you know, self-funding oh, the whole thing. They said that, uh, here's the deal. They said that I had to have 40,000 donors. I thought it was absurd, but it is the RNC and they make the rules. So I did some things. 
that were never done before. I started a reality series and to get myself known a little bit. And then I, in fact, had a concert here. We had Big and Rich out there in Iowa this last Saturday. And we had a huge crowd, maybe as large a crowd as they've ever had. And doing those kinds of things is a way in which we get people to fund. And I think people like the idea of having a message where we're going to shrink the government so that we are in a position to finally actually talk about reducing taxes instead of constantly reducing the amount of money we're giving to people for Social Security. And they're even talking about what can be done with things like Medicare and Medicaid. All right. The bottom line is the government's going broke. Perry Johnson, very interesting indeed. You can go to perryjohnson.com for more information. Perryjohnson.com. Keep an eye on him. And thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Enjoy life. All right. We'll be right back. I met with the parliamentarian of the Senate, Elizabeth McDonough, to discuss the procedures for the upcoming joint session on January 6th. She told me that Congress always receives miscellaneous slates of electors every four years. Did you know that? Mike Pence, wow, buried in his book. Every four years, miscellaneous slates of electors are submitted. So why is everybody trying to make it sound like it's the crime of the century, all of the, even the discussion of alternate electors? I made this point last night on the show, and I played a clip of, well, Mike Pence not talking about what he wrote in his own book. Guess who was watching? President Trump. Uh, they actually put this on Truth Social, the whole conversation uh, that I had with you. And uh, many thanks. He mentioned my name, and it's very cool. Uh, I appreciate that, but it's very, very important. Alternate slates of electors submitted every four years. Why such a big deal this time around? Well, because it's Trump, and everything Trump does is evil, right? That's the way the left sees it. And... What about some of the people who are working for Donald Trump, like Mark Meadows? You know, Mark Meadows, the chief of staff there on the right, uh, nice guy, and um, <laughs> they're giving him a hard time. We've already gone through that phone call to the Georgia election officials. Everything that Trump said was fine, and everything that Mark Meadows said was fine as well. Can you believe he's seeking a compromise? Like, guys, let's have another meeting. Let's check it out. They say that this is part of a crime. What I'm hopeful for is, is there some way that we can we can find uh, some kind of an agreement to to uh, to look at this a little bit more fully. Uh, you know, the president mentioned Fulton County, but in some of these areas where there seems to be uh, a difference uh, of where the facts uh, seem to lead. And so, Mr. Secretary, I was uh, hopeful that. You know, in a spirit of uh, cooperation and compromises, there, there's something that uh, we can at least have a discussion to look at some of these allegations uh, to, uh, to find a, a path forward that's less litigious. At least have a conversation to hopefully find a path forward. He's asking, not demanding, not directing, not threatening. Mark Meadows is in serious legal trouble because of that statement. That's insane. And folks, it's still okay to have concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. You know, Joe Biden is the president. I get it, right? The paperwork was signed. 
But not all questions have been resolved about, well, what happened back then. Remember this? We've also got some breaking news right now, so we want to check in with CBS's Mark Strassman. He is in Georgia, where they're having a big problem counting some of the votes. Mark? Nora, this is a, uh, an election return watch party uh, here on the edge of Atlanta. These are mostly excited Democrats because when's the last time Georgia thought of itself as a battleground state? After a record early returns and, a, and essentially a day of problem-free voting, there is now a hitch in the tabulation of votes. A water pipe has broken inside the arena. They had counted 86,000 absentee ballots. We don't know how many more they have yet to tabulate, but all the tabulation of those ballots has now stopped. We're told by election officials they may not finish tabulating those votes for a day or two. So depending how close the rest of the state is, we may not know the result of this critical battleground state for another day or two. Well, they say um, everything was fine there. We have that from Brad Raffensperger. Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, Mr. Integrity, as he calls himself, he wrote a book, Mr. Integrity. And in that book, which I actually read, he says the following. Beginning long before the election and every day since, President Trump had attacked the foundation of our democracy. How about that? Beginning long before the election. He was saying this about President Trump. What was he doing? I think this is serious bias against President Trump. Did he look into the matter totally and aggressively and objectively? I think it's okay to wonder about those things, right? Certainly, if this thing goes to trial, I think that should be looked at, right? Joe Biden's the president. I get it. The paperwork was signed, but we can still have concerns about whether or not everything was fair. Fair enough? Fair enough. Also, one year ago today, Joe Biden signing the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which was very, very inflationary. <laughs> uh, consumer prices go up. Consumer confidence goes down. Anyway, what do they say? Even the fake news was like, this is kind of Orwellian. This is kind of backwards. This is kind of the opposite of what it says it does. That is very thematic of this administration. A bad deal for America and for the Democrats. Maybe one day they'll re realize it. I'll be right back. No blind rhetoric. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. Thank you very much. I will see you tomorrow night. Happy one-year Inflation Reduction Act Day. See you tomorrow.